It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Gotta get this win. Get this win. Get one win. If anybody in this organization ever talks about losing in that building, they're gone. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose, but act like you care. JT the Brick. We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Brick. JT, as we get going here again on Monday, with Bobby, it's kind of a best of, with some elements, fresh elements put in here. Uh, we're celebrating what will be the 4th of July, what will come out of the 4th of July, and everything we got coming up as July ramps up for the Silver and Black as the Raiders will get ready for training camp, and we will be ready. We will be ready here on Raider Nation Radio. I can promise you that. Hour number two here brought to you by our great fans at Resorts World, the premier property on the Strip. If you don't got plans on the 4th of July, get to Resorts World. Fireworks, fireworks, fireworks. And an opportunity to just have an amazing time out at the pool, the restaurants, go to Wally's 8 Cigar Bar. See my guy Giuseppe at the 8 Cigar Lounge. You'll have the time of your life. All the new restaurants. It's fantastic. Scott Sabella's vision of sports in Vegas starts at the Doghouse Saloon. And you can bet right there at the Doghouse. The sports book is right there. So what we're doing is we're playing a couple of our interviews that we think are worthy of playing again. And remember, this is all our content from our show And Bobby told me about this conversation, and I didn't forget it, but I forgot it in context. We were the last show anywhere in the world to interview Mark Stone, the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, before he got hurt. And I don't want to talk about being a jinx, because I don't believe in that type of sports karma. But we had him on, and then he was gone, and he was gone for a long time. A long time. And we were concerned about it because then people started saying, are they holding them back for cap purposes? They get Barbashev, how they're getting chemistry together. Will Stone come back and be as good as he could be? He was unbelievable. The captain of the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. I was a little bit concerned there. How much would he have left in the tank? He had everything. Had one of the greatest goals I've ever seen in postseason history when he broke the stick, picked it up at the bench, came down the assist for the goal. Incredible. Uh, He had a hat trick in a massive playoff game. When you look at what he was able to do in the Stanley Cup final in a blowout, he's one of the best Golden Knights of all time. It's a young team. We know that. We know it's a young team. There's going to be many more players that come in decades to come. But there'll be one captain who won the first Stanley Cup. Derek England, great player, great Golden Knight, and now Mark Stone. I thought he's done a great job ever since showing up that cup and doing it the right way, and taking it off the bus, and taking it to Shashiba Plaza. I digress. This is my conversation with Mark Stone that we had on January 11th. The Golden Knights on top of the Pacific with 56 points. Mark Stone, the captain, with 17 goals and 21 assists, joins us today. Mark, appreciate you doing this. I hope you're feeling healthy. Great. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's been a good, uh, good little four days off for us. It's been a nice recovery. Awesome. Let's talk about the chemistry this year for you, Mark, as the captain with previous teams and previous rosters. How optimistic are you with the locker room, the chemistry, and what you guys have done so far this year? Yeah, it's been a pretty awesome locker room from day one. Um, you know, guys are buying in. Uh, you 
know, we want to win, so uh, we understand that, um, like, everybody's kind of understanding their role. Um, you know, we're finally getting healthy uh, up front. We still got a few guys uh, on the back end that uh, uh, we'd like to get back, but um, we're pretty close to the full health up front, and uh, the vibe in the dressing room has uh, been pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about, the, not worried about the, the chemistry of the room uh, uh, at all. That's one thing that... Uh, yeah, Mark, what's interesting, too, is when you're at, you have guys that are out and you have six or seven starters out at one point, you're the captain of this team, and you're going out and leading by example this year, taking some of the younger players and telling them what their roles are and bringing everyone together to win these pivotal games, especially on the road. Let's talk about this road record and what's fascinated, about you, uh, fascinated you about the effort this year, especially away from Vegas. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't want our road record to be better than our home record. We'd like them to be, you know, a little bit more even. But uh, you know, we've done a good job at, uh, you know, finding ways to get points uh, no matter where we're playing. Uh, you now we've had a couple pretty long road trips so far out east. That, you know, I think we went, would we go seven and seven and one on those two trips combined? Which um, I don't think there's too many teams in the league that are going to be doing that. So uh, we're pretty. You know, we're pretty mindful of, uh, of the way we need to play on the road. Um, you know, I think these last couple couple weeks we've brought that mindset back to T-Mobile and uh, turned, to, uh, turned to play better on home ice. Mark Stone is our guest, captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. Mark, what's changed in the last month to change the penalty kill from 72% in October and November to over 90% in December? What's working there? What do you see? Um, you know, I think we, you know, we've, we had two new coaches. Um, obviously, Butch being the head coach and Johnny Stevens coming in, um, working with the defense and running the penalty kill. So it was, I don't know if it was more, uh, you know, it's just different terminology, right? So um, I think guys are finally you know, a little bit more comfortable uh, you know, in the meetings with Johnny with his terminology. And uh, I think we're, we're starting to, like you said, with chemistry, we're starting to build chemistry. Um, not only with with the players, but with the with Johnny on the penalty kill, uh, understanding roles, understanding where to be, and, and understanding when to be aggressive and when to be passive. Um, and I think we've at first we we kind of just sat back the whole time, and that's kind of what we thought to do. And, and now we're starting to understand uh, aggressive. There's times we need to sit back. I think we've done a good job at uh, understanding when to do 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 one or the other. Mark Stone is our guest. I want to stay with Bruce Cassidy. You've played with a lot of head coaches throughout your junior career and now in the NHL. What is that like with the economy of being a captain when you have a new head coach and the other ones before who were let go did a pretty good job? And then you're leading the locker room saying, here's our new guy, here's his vision, we're all getting behind him. A lot of fans in other sports, Mark, don't understand the changeover in coaches in this sport in general, and this coaching change seems to be working well. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, you're, as a player, you never want your your head coach to get fired because usually that means that you you as players have done something um, and have been unsuccessful. So, um, you know, we had some some, some incredible sex, success with um, with Turk, and then we had some great success, some great playoff runs with um, with Pete. Um, you know, obviously we didn't get over the hump, but I mean, it's hard it's hard to win. There's only one team that wins. Uh, mm-hmm. In the NHL, but you know now it's the same thing with Butch. He wants to win the Stanley Cup. We want to win the Stanley Cup, and it's all about 
gelling together, uh, getting that relationship to. Uh, I mean, I think he's. If, if you asked him, he, he was probably took him, you know, thirty or forty games to to understand what kind of player um, we all are. And um, now I think we're at that point where we understand uh, what he expects uh, his system, and he is starting to understand um, how everybody plays the game, where everybody can fit and fit in. Uh, Mark, as we wrap this up with Robin Leonard out and you played with the great Marc-Andre Fleury, when you see Logan Thompson and the way he's playing, that must be really interesting when you show up at the rink every day knowing you have an all-star goalie, a goalie who's playing at such a high level with your goals in front of you and winning the cup. Tell us about this goalie change and especially having two that you can count on any given night. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said there at the end, um, you know, obviously Logan uh, has taken the uh, the majority of the load, but uh, anyhow, he's, he's done a great job. He's deserved uh, deserves the recognition of being an All Star. He's uh, you know he's won a ton of games for us. His numbers are good, but uh, the same thing with with Aiden. I mean, he's given us a chance to win most nights. He's won a lot of hockey games for us. I think he had a little mm-hmm. um, you know a little hiccup maybe there in December where he didn't feel like he's at the top of his game. But you know, last start against Pittsburgh, he basically won that game for us. And, in the second period, and, and he's done a lot of that throughout the season. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice when you you feel comfortable going into the game uh, or going into a game, especially with two two goalies. Especially when you're doing goal- that's probably another reason why our, our, our road record is so good because mm. you can't go on the road and have the same goalie play, you know, four four games in seven nights or five games in eight days. So, uh, both goalies have done a great job for us and given us opportunities to win. Hey, Mark, I see what you and your wife do in the community and a lot of other players and their wives. How proud are you of the work that you're doing in the community here? And I know from back home, but what you're doing here in Vegas when you sit down with your wife and you have a vision on how you want to help others. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been one of the more frustrating things over the last couple of years, um, not being able to get out in the community. Um, you know, we really love doing stuff, especially around the holidays. Uh, I know my wife and um, Carlson's wife and uh, a ton of the other girls get together and do the shoe box. Uh, we do a lot of the hospital visits in this, um, uh, during, during the holidays. And for the last you know, number of years, we, we haven't been able to do that um, just with everything that's going on. So, um, you know, I think obviously I'm not a day one guy uh, mm-hmm. with, with the Knights, but um, you see the, um, I guess it's, it's a culture as a city, right? Um, uh, between the players, the fans, and, uh, and all the, uh, the people uh, in the city of Las Vegas kind of bonded together um, that first year. Um, it's been able to uh, create, um, you know, so many, uh, or help with so many different charities, um, help with, uh, you know, bringing this community together, whether it's with uh, the October 1. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's pretty, pretty special relationship that we have with uh, with our organization and, and the city and the fans mark last one when you look at this team and the upside here there's a lot of new hockey fans here there's ones that have had other teams from back in the day and then they were easy to become golden knights fans because this is an inaugural expansion team now that hasn't been around that long but it seems like it's always playoff or bust and more so stanley cup or bust how great do you feel about this group your long-term goals and the health of the team coming around that you can lift that cup as the captain here in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the only goal, um, you know, especially as a player that you have going into the season, you want to win the Stanley cup. Um, obviously there's, 
uh, other things that uh, and uh, there's other reasons why you play this game, whether it's for the fans or um, you know, it's obviously it's a job as well. But um, you know, I came to Vegas because um, I knew that they wanted to win every single season. Um, they'll do everything they can to to put the the team on the ice that uh, they expect to win. And um, you know, I look up and down the lineup. Um, you know, last whatever month we played, we've had six, seven guys on the lineup. Uh, you know, even more on nights, and we're still winning games. So, um, you know, the depth that we have, um, whether it's at the goaltending position, the defense, the forward group, um, it's exciting. Um, you know, can you guarantee winning a Stanley Cup? No, that's why you play the games, right? Um, best team in the regular season doesn't always win. Um, you know, you, you think you, uh, you're playing your best hockey and something can happen, you get a bad matchup. So, um, I, I love our group against anybody. Um, you know, obviously we've, we've beat some good teams, we've lost to some good teams, but that's that's the NHL. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a pretty tight league, uh, mm-hmm. and the standings show it. But um, as far as our group goes, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited with the uh, with the high end skill and the depth that we have uh, going forward uh, into the second half of the season. And, and hopefully a deep playoff run that, uh, that ends with uh, uh, what you said, uh, uh, me being able to lift the Stanley Cup and pass it off to my teammates. That would be great. Good luck against the Panthers the rest of the homestand. Really appreciate you doing this, Mark. All the best. Stay healthy. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So there he is, the captain of your VGK, and now his name will be on the cup for the remainder of his life and for centuries beyond. Congratulations to Mark Stone, a fantastic captain. When we come back, our conversation with Dave Ziegler, that happened early in May, and it was a big one. And he had a lot to say as we continue heading into the 4th of July week. You're still in the midst of it, having a great time. Celebrate responsibly with Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Have a Remy Martin margarita with Cointreau. You'll love it. It's a margarita with Cointreau, and it'll make it taste and splash even more. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Welcome back, JT, Raider Nation Radio, as we continue on. A lot to get to here today in our final hour before the 4th of July, and then we'll be back after the 4th of July with our big show as we're going to kick down the greatest Raiders team of all time on Raider Nation Radio. Excited about that. We're putting in some work, and there's some good people behind the scenes helping me with it. Former players, former Hall of Famers, and friends who have been around the Raider Nation a lot longer than I am, so that'll come back. That'll be something to look forward to after we come back from the 4th of July. Here's our sit-down with Dave Ziegler, the deep conversation with him, everything he had to say on the future of the Silver and Black. Thanks for joining us exclusively here today. I could say this right out of the gate, a whirlwind for you. The last 48, you know, three days or so, your entire staff. So let's open it up. What's it like now to take a step back and get to meet the players over the phone, make the call, have some in the building, and look back on what you did? Um, well, the the call part, I mean, it's just it's um, 
it's an emotional part of the weekend just because you know how someone's life has been impacted of, you know, you're getting to tell someone um, something that they've been working their whole life for. And it's a dream for them and it's a dream for their family. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's a ridiculously rare accomplishment to get drafted by an NFL team when you step back and you think about it. And so those calls are really special. They're really fun. Um, and then it's, exci- it's, a, it's a rewarding part of the weekend. Uh, stepping back is um, there's a lot of excitement. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, encouraging things that we see with the draft class that we put together. And then there's also some reflection on some things that, you know, you would do differently, um, from a strategic standpoint. And, you know, you, you always, you always, I always like to go back and, you know, um, be hard on ourselves. And, and, you know, there's a couple things I've learned here and there that, you know, we'll all apply differently next year. And, and, um, that's a part of the process too. And so, um, but we're really excited about this class. Um, it was a fun weekend. It was a whirlwind. And, um, you know, I think we improved the team. Uh, before we get into the picks, the Al Davis moment with you. Peter King was there. We heard from Peter King on our flagship station earlier today. What did that mean for you now? Because the first time it was, wasn't rushed, but you didn't have your whole yeah. scouting department there. You reflect on year one. You didn't have a first and second round pick due to Devontae, which was a great move. How did it change this time for you with your calmness, the coolness of your entire room as you put the plan together and then you had to execute it? Yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, um, just like you when you're in school and you're preparing for a test, you know, if you're not very prepared, there's a lot more anxiety and angst um, going into, you know, going into taking that test. And so I felt like with uh, the group that we had put together and having a full year, Brandon Jurgen is our college director, Champ Kelly, obviously our assistant GM, heavily involved. Um, and the other group of guys that we've that we've put together, our national scouts, Dewan Daniels, Andy Dangler, um, Sean Harak. Um, Lenny McGill, like we just have a lot of experience. We put a lot of work in. We put a lot of time and effort into this from the fall all the way up until uh, Thursday. And so we felt prepared and that preparation came across as I'd say an environment that was calm, cool, and collective on on game day, if you will. I want to ask you about the senior bowl with Patrick Graham as one of the head coaches. You're staffing down there, your scouts. How big of an impact did that have when you had to make some, and we'll get to the individual ones in here in a few minutes, but when you had to go, that's the move we have to make. It's coming towards us. Put in the offseason and the Senior Bowl. Yeah, the Senior Bowl was a, um, a piece of the puzzle that we normally maybe wouldn't have if our coaches weren't involved. And that piece of the puzzle, um, what, that, what that gave us was information. We can see the tape and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like everybody gets that. We were able to get some inside information on what they were like in the meeting rooms, how they prepared, what their football intelligence was, how they interacted with teammates, a lot of the intangible things that um, you would not normally get unless you had a coach involved. And so those definitely had um, made us feel more comfortable about certain players versus other players, knowing the full picture on, on, their, um, on their experience at the Senior Bowl. Dave Ziegler joins us. Let's get to the draft and Tyree Wilson. So I was predicting either Witherspoon or Gonzalez. I thought that was a need. I thought Jalen Carter was in play with the Seahawks at five. Yeah. And then when we found out behind the scenes you wanted a couple of quarterbacks to come off the board mm-hmm. to have some defensive opportunities there. Walk us through that in real time because Tyree Wilson is the pick you wanted. But as the board was moving, you're a GM. Phone's ringing. You're on the phone. Yep. Walk me through that experience as you have your eye on Tyree Wilson, but he could be gone. Yeah, that's where there's the, the angst and anxiety yeah. comes as you're kind of looking at that. But as um, as we mentioned, you know, we'll, almost almost every pick that we go into, including this, including our first pick in the um, in the draft this year, you know, we have a group depending on 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 what the supply and demand is, four or five players that we're going to be comfortable picking. 
And, um, yeah, we felt like if three quarterbacks went before we picked that we were going to have a shot at one of the non-quarterback, you know, the defensive players. That's who it turned out to be, really, including Paris Johnson. We felt like we were going to be able to get one of those players. And so um, once that um, the Colts picked um, Anthony Richardson, the you know the the temperature in the room went down. Everyone was excited and felt like we were going to get you know a really good football player there. And Tyree was a guy that we identified early in the process as one of the top defensive players in the draft. Uh, one of the players that we felt had a very high ceiling and a, a player that was just impressive on tape. His length, his explosiveness, his versatility in terms of alignment versatility and where he could affect the quarterback from. And we think the sky's the limit with him. And we also love the intangibles and mm-hmm. we love his mindset and we love um, the kid itself. We had him here for a 30 visit, which right. you know, got to spend some extra time with him. So, um, yeah, just fell our way. And, and uh, you know, we feel like we got one of the best defensive players in the draft. Dave Ziegler joins us. So at that time, a lot of the fans and a lot of analysts said, okay, if you were going to go up and you wanted to kick the doors initially with Chicago to get a quarterback, or maybe at number two, if you like C.J. Stroud, or if you like Richardson or Levis, who it was, yep. when did that point come where, no, we're not going quarterback here. This is the guy we want. We know that because quarterback felt like it wasn't a need with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, just through the process, uh, you know, all the way starting, um, you know, at the combine. And then obviously we did a lot of visits um, mm-hmm. during the pro day visits and spent time with a lot of people and had guys here for the 30 visits. And there were some other, you know, meetings that we had with, you know, with that group. And ultimately, um, you know, we just felt like um, based on the pool of players, the quarterbacks that were available in our current situation mm-hmm. here, um, you know, that we felt comfortable with where we where we were at with Jimmy and, and um, you know, with uh, Brian here as the backup and just didn't feel like at that point of the draft that, um, you know, one of those one of those other non-defensive players was the best fit for us. Dave Ziegler joins us. I wanted to share this with you. I didn't share this with you. I was at the draft party and I was sitting with Max and Chandler. They were in one of the cabanas and I was getting ready to go up on stage at some point. I've known Max since he's come here, and he, you know, he reached out to him. Everyone knew. Max showed me it, and I was like, ooh, because Chandler was sitting there. I want to tell you it was one of the classiest things I've ever seen. Chandler Jones lit up, and he's like, I'm going to mentor that guy, and Max pumped his fist. That's interesting The two yeah. people that play similar positions were so excited to welcome in a new brother. I thought that was important to share because of the energy at that time. They both understood it. Yeah, two special individuals yeah. that, you know, put the team first. Um, both Max and Chandler, and and uh, they want to see us win football games, and they know that um, you know an effective defensive line. How important important that is to a defensive success, and they also understand that the best defensive lines come in waves. Right. And there's a lot of players that um, you know are, allow each individual player to stay fresh, to be as disruptive as possible. And um, you know we love both of those two guys, Chandler and Max, what they bring on the field, what they bring off the field, and that's just a great example of again the type of team first environment we're try- trying to build here. Now, before we get to Byron Young, and I want to go through all your picks, yep. what's the best case scenario you could give the fans about how Chandler can be on the field at the same time with Wilson and Max? Like, it doesn't have to be on the first play of the season. Sure. But if a team starts off on the 25 and they get to the 35 and you're starting to bring different packages in, yeah. what's a scenario where the fans can understand that three of your defensive stars that play similar positions will be out there at once? Yeah, well, we feel like with with Tyree specifically, and 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 uh, with Chandler also, and with Max also to a degree that 
Um, but Tyree's lined up all over the line of scrimmage. And, and so um, his length, his explosiveness, it translates for him to be able to rush off the edge. It translates for him to be able to rush inside. And I think those other two guys can do that too. And I think what we're going to have the ability to do here this year is um, you know, focus on some of the when – we, when we go into a game, we identify what some of the weak links and some of the problem areas that um, the other teams have, whether that's a guard, whether that's a center, whether that's a tackle. We have three different players now that we can kind of piece together and, and match up in specific matchups week in and week out um, to cause havoc and, and to cause disruption. And we think all three of those guys can rush from the – from the edge and from the inside, but Tyree's, um, you know, showed it this year, his ability to do both. And so there'll be packages where all three, three of those guys are out on the field um, causing disruption. And and I would say this too, and, and I want to make this point, like whether it's Tyree, whether it's Michael Mayer, like the, here's the reality. Like all those guys start at the bottom of the depth chart. Yeah. And they're all going to have to earn their way and they're going to all have to earn their keep. And that's the message that we, that our team knows that mm-hmm. and our team understands that. And so um, he's going to have to earn it. Um, but if he reaches his potential, there's going to be, you know, a package where easily those guys can all uh, be effective at the same time. You know what the alumni mean to both of us and what it means to Mark Davis. Michael Mayer goes to the post. 87, Dave Casper, same number at Notre yeah. Dame. Tim Brown at Notre Dame. Yep. Were you shocked, surprised? Did you have any scenario where he would be there in the second round? Because you want to go up and get him in the first round. He's one of your highest rated players. How did you think about that when you went home at night going, I'm going to get this player. I just got to figure out how to do it. Yeah, um, we. I was surprised that yeah. he was still available. I thought Michael was... Um, him and Dalton were the, the top two tight ends in the draft, and I did think they would uh, pr- most likely go in the first round. And so, um, yeah, there was some excitement on our end once we got through the first round. And um, as, as you know, we mentioned the Peter King article, we Peter King article, we explored some opportunities to move back up at the end of the first round, and that didn't materialize. And so, yeah, we, we um, came back in on Friday morning and started to look at, okay, here's who's available, um, and started to explain, um, explore some trade opportunities to move up. And to get a player like, like Michael Mayer, um, a person like Michael Mayer, the leadership, the passion for football, and then just his skill set on the football field, which I think is unique. He has, um, for a bigger tight end, he has a unique set of um, – Short area explosiveness, short area quickness where you can see him separate. You can see him uh, make some guys look silly at the college level that were defensive backs, not just linebackers and things like that. So we were really excited that he was available um, at that time, and we were aggressive to go up and get him. Dave Ziegler's our guest. What impact did Nick Saban and his staff have on getting Byron Young from Alabama? I know the relationship from the Belichick years to coming. I don't know your relationship with Nick Saban. This is a big pick, number 70. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about rotational players, but this is someone who's got to have an impact. He's a high pick for you. Talk about the communication with Alabama on this. Yeah, well, uh, Josh, you know, was a GA for for Nick at Michigan State. And so, and, and Josh's relationship with Nick goes even back farther than that because um, Josh's dad, who was, uh, you know, one of the top high school coaches in Northeast Ohio for a very long time and had a ton of prospects, him and uh, Nick and Josh's dad go way back. Oh, and that's okay. how you know, Josh got connected with Nick. And so, yeah, we talked to Nick. Um, uh, Josh talked to Nick throughout the process on – all the different prospects that Alabama puts out, which is a ton. And so we felt really good about Byron as, as the person and um, as the um, football character mm-hmm. and, and, and a person that's going to be motivated to get the best of their ability. As a player, loved his length inside, 
loved his physicality, reset the line of scrimmage, um, loved his ability to separate from blocks and make tackles in the run game. And we also see, you know, as he said, he'll have to earn his way onto third down and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But we did some see some early down pass disruption too. And it didn't necessarily materialize itself into big sacks. But when you just watch the film, he's in, he can get on the edge. Um, he's able to power, power guards, power centers, disrupt quarterbacks, disrupt the pocket. And it doesn't maybe, again, materialize into sack numbers, but there's disruptive plays in there that we are excited about. I think we just had Rhett Lewis on, as I told you, from NFL Network, and he made a good comparison to the amount of pressures he got compared to Jalen Carter. It was close. Yeah. I mean, everybody thinks that Jalen Carter, who's a great player, had these numbers that compare to Aaron Donald. But when we look at what we get with Byron Young and what he's able to do, he's pretty close in regards to those, not only a great character player, very important to you, but his numbers were no joke, and he played in a lot of games. He did. Played in a lot of games, very durable, very tough, very physical. If you come out of that program mm -hmm. um, and you're one of the top players at Alabama, you're a good football player. And so, yeah, we expect him, you know, uh, again, he's going to have to earn his way. We expect him to make an impact, and um, that's going to be a very competitive room. Dave Ziegler joins us. So with true transparency, you hear my show from time to time. I'm screaming defense, screaming the whole offseason. And this is where I was going, whoa, okay, because yeah. I thought you were going to pound linebacker maybe an offensive lineman, maybe go corner a little bit earlier, and then you go trade Tucker yep. before we get to Bennett, the cornerback. What was the moment there like? Because obviously, if you were going to take Trey, you had to feel like you had defensive players left on your board. You knew you were going to get, and there's some players there that you might go back and say, I wish we would have got that guy a couple of years from now. How critical was that season, uh, that decision to go with a young wide receiver out of Cincinnati who's going to impact the team? Yeah, well, we, we had pick 100 and we had pick 109, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so there's a group of players there that we felt that we could get kind of between 100 and 109. Um, with Trey specifically, uh, one, let me say, we see Trey as a wide receiver and, and not just a slot receiver. Excellent. We think Trey can okay. play on the inside. We think Trey can play on the outside. We think his quickness and his speed um, and his route running ability, not just running vertical, but you, if you watch his tape, um, he catches a lot of balls over the middle, a lot of balls in traffic, and um, he's a hard guy to stay with. And so we see him as a complete wide receiver that can move around the formation and make plays as a receiver. His speed and quickness is very unique. Um, it stands out on tape, and so he also has that element of a guy that you can get the ball in space to. Um, along with his ability as a returner, um, along with his ability as a gunner, which is kind of unique for a guy that's his yeah. size to see a guy run down the field and, and tackle punt returners and things like that. But he did that at Cincinnati. Um, he's from Akron, Ohio, right. which so I know he's tough. The wrestler. Um, yeah. And so uh, which is, you know, where I grew up, mm -hmm. was born. And so, um, yeah, we just felt like it was a really versatile skill set and a very explosive player. And uh, again, you can make arguments uh, on um, which I understand of mm -hmm. where he, you know, his consensus mock was and things of that right. nature. And um, it might have been that might have been lower than where, where we picked him. But on our board, we felt very comfortable with the pick there. And we felt like we were going to be able to either sit at 109 at the top of the fourth round and get a player that we wanted or what we ended up deciding to do is being a little bit aggressive there and go up and get Jacorian. That is a great segue as Dave Ziegler joins us to what this is this conversation's all about. You're getting your guys. You're not getting mock draft guys. Correct. You're not getting what another mock draft insider says. So this guy was clearly targeted by you and coach. Yep. And when you line him up in the slot or wide, if he makes a head fake, he's gone. He's the type of guy with Devontae on the other side, Jacoby Myers, Hunter, whatever happens. 
Jimmy could come out and all of a sudden see him in a certain coverage, and he's gone because no one can keep up with him. Yeah. He can get behind the back end of a defense. That's right, and we, and we love that explosiveness, yeah. and it's something we wanted added to the team. And I would just say this, again, best player available, um, which is something we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. um, best player available is the, the film goes into that, the football intelligence goes into that, the football character goes into that. And so that's what goes into our best player available. We can't just rely on, right. on you know, the, the tape alone. It's your scouts. It's your work here. Bennett at corner. Interesting is everyone's saying, will Ringo be the fit because the dogs are going to Philly? And what's going to happen there? Another one that you had circled. This was a player I get the impression you were going to get no matter what. If you had to go get him in the third, if you were going to get him in the fourth or have to move up, walk me through that pick. Yeah, well, the um, once we drafted Mayer, let me go back. Once mm-hmm. we drafted Mayer and went up to get him, the corners went quick. Right, um, that was going to be the sacrifice, which we understood. And so um, the second round, a lot of the corners that um, you know were in that sweet spot in the second round went, which wasn't surprising. And uh, Jacorian was right in that mix. Mm-hmm. And so to see again, there's a little bit of a strategic element of understanding where potentially guys can go. And 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 again, there's a there's a success and failure rate to that. But Jacorian was a guy that our, our coaching staff um, really, really liked. Our, our scouts really liked. Um, we saw an improvement in his play from 20, um, 21 to 22, his ability to find the ball um, and consistently make plays on the ball, which he did a lot of. His speed, um, his toughness, uh, again, his football character. So this was a guy, again, he was the best. He was our top corner at that time when we were on the when we were on that pick, when we considered all the elements that went into it. Well, you made a point that a lot of fans, so we got a couple of fan questions for later on, that they want to see guys who can get the ball. If the ball's in their hands, they're going to intercept it. They're going to knock down the ball. And I could pivot also before we get back to your quarterback and Christopher Smith out of Georgia, too, yeah. with Bennett. Guys on film that have a lot of takeaways. We've been waiting a long time around here before you got here to find guys who can catch the ball on defense and make a play and shorten the field. It seems like you have two here. Yeah, um, Jacorian specifically, I think he was you know, maybe the second in the last two years in terms of ball production. A mm-hmm. um, lot of pass breakups. Um, a lot of plays on the ball, a lot of disruptive plays on the ball. And Chris was the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you looked at Chris Smith and, and the um, the numbers aren't – don't jump. I think he ran 4-5-7. Right. Yeah. He's not 6-2 or 6-3. What he is, he's a really good football player. He's very instinctive. He understands how to read patterns um, and see the, the pattern concept develop from the snap of the ball and put him himself, in, himself in position to make plays. And um, just love the player uh, and, and uh, love the pedigree on Christmas. Well, Amari Bernie coming in, former corner linebacker at Florida. He had that interception, that big one against Utah, instinctive player too. Dave, is the league going there where maybe 10 years from now or five, we're going to see bigger corners that morph into linebackers because they're just better in coverage? And maybe you got one here, someone you could throw out there in a certain package in a critical point in the game, and you know he'll find the football in the air, but at least he'll tackle and get to the ball carrier quickly. Yeah, and I think you're, you're seeing the, the, the box safety that mm-hmm. used to, you know, that used to be a big part of the NFL doesn't really exist any anymore, or it's not as popular anymore because um, a safety that's just a run defender, you might as well have a linebacker on the field if they can't cover. And so I think we're seeing some of these, you know, tall some of these safeties, you know, that have size that maybe would have been in that strong safety category moving down into the linebacker position. And, and Bernie's one of those guys. Divine obviously mm-hmm. did that too. And as Josh, uh, as Josh said when we talked about Bernie, there's a lot of dirty plays on. T- 
tape. And what we mean by that is just around the football. There's a strip. There's a fumble recovery. There's an interception. There's a sack. He's just one of these guys that consistently found himself around the football and consistently made plays around the football. And so we love that. We love the upside about it, of, of his development at the linebacker position. He'll be an, we think he's going to be an impact player in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down for the pro day to see Anthony, you know, Anthony Richardson, and we spent some time with Anthony the night before. And um, this guy, uh, Bernie, was the— I love how that works. You know, Bernie was a star of the show down there, too. Um, you know, some guys had him at a 4-4-8, uh, between a 4-4-8 and a 4-5-1. The testing numbers were exceptional. The workout was really good. And then just talking to some people there on campus, uh, one of the just the top-flight kids in the program in terms of leadership and just passion for— Core values that yes. you like. Always appreciate talking to Dave. The guy is just up front with you, tells you everything you need to know. And there's still, I still think there's something in front of us here. I don't think he's done. I don't think Dave Ziegler's done. If it comes down to getting another player, if it has something to do with him getting a player on cut down, who's a value player, I'll tell you this much about Dave Ziegler. He's not going to go out and get anybody who's overpriced. He's not going to overpay. At least he's not going to try to. They paid Darren Waller. They moved him. They gave Hunter Renthrow an extension. You know, De- Derek Carr was in a big contract extension. They moved him. Even if you have an extension, they could move you on this team. I mean, Dave Ziegler is a passionate guy, but I think the, the numbers add up with him as he's trying to reorganize this roster and hopefully get it to a competitive level of the postseason and then to greatness. Thanks to Dave Ziegler. When we come back, one of my favorite people, Lon Kruger. Lon Kruger, the only coach to take five different teams to the NCAA tournament, his induction into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, and the lead-up to that as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Hey, don't get into an accident. Please don't, don't, don't. But if something happens, a fender bender, a slip and fall, someone hits you, call the DeCastaverde Law Group. 702-365-9200 is our number. They have an easier one. 702-222-222. Nine 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 nine. I love that number. I wish it was my call-in number. It'd be easier. 702-222-9999 that the Castaverde Law Group. Welcome back as we wrap it up here, heading into the 4th of July. Drink responsibly with my good friends at Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo. Have a bucket of Modelos like your buddy JT here over the 4th of July. Modelo, that fighting spirit, proud partners of the Raider Nation. My conversation with one of the best people I know, Lon Kruger, a leader in several communities around this country, especially Vegas. What he had to tell me before the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, the newest class, Lon Kruger, is a member of it, and he's kind enough to join us. And, Coach, thanks so much in advance, and let's begin. You and your family, your lovely wife, the grandkids, uh, everybody must be very excited because I know what this Hall of Fame means to you. How are you? Well, we're doing great. Always good talking to you, and uh, obviously um, anytime a coach uh, uh, gets an award like that, means he's been surrounded by a lot of good players and a lot of good people, and uh, certainly been uh that situation uh with me but uh, a lot of fun and uh, good to see some old friends 
Yeah, Coach, I think that's special because you've been all around the country from the NBA and all your stops being the first to take five teams to the tournament, five different teams. So the other Hall of Fames you're in are as a player and what you've been inducted into, the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I would assume this one's really special because you got roots in a lot of cities, but Vegas really means something special to you, and I get to see it up close. That's very true. I think uh, Barb and I, when we were coaching here, uh, you know, a few years ago, we loved the city. We loved the people's attitude about uh, doing things for others and helping each other out. And uh, we knew uh, one day in retirement that we would uh, end up back here. And uh, and we have enjoyed it very much in the one year we've been back and look forward to uh, more years ahead. Lon Kruger is our guest. Coach, I asked this to all the guests who get into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. What was the pivotal moment early in your childhood? Because you played multiple sports, your baseball background and basketball. Who in your family, your parents, were encouraging you to go out early, come home right before dark, and play multiple sports? You gravitated to many. Yeah, I was very fortunate. I grew up in uh, a situation where two great parents, uh, I was the oldest of six children, and uh, dad was uh, working two or three jobs. We didn't have, uh, you know, we didn't, want for anything but we didn't have anything extra but he was working his tail off to, uh, to make it better for his children and uh, mom was there every day we got off the bus and uh, all about uh, her children and uh, so i had a great foundation from the start that uh, you know dad had coached all of our little league teams and he loved baseball that was always his first love and uh, and uh, I, that's why i grew up uh, liking baseball so much yeah, Coach, you never, I never shared that. You never shared that with me about your dad being your Little League coach. So was mine. A lot of our listeners can connect with that. Do you think that helped gravitate to you when you you know, you know, had to get the baseball bag ready for your dad as he's coming home from work or you had to clean up the dugout or you know stay late after practice because your dad was working with a, another player? Did that help form your life as becoming a potential coach down the road? For sure it did. Uh, dad uh, was the without question the most influential person in uh, my life mom and dad but uh as related to sports uh yeah our, our family uh you know everything revolved around sports uh from a small town graduating class of 35 so you know all the kids played everything and i think that was real beneficial too that you weren't locked into one sport you got the chance to experience uh, a lot of different sports and then also a lot of different teammates i think uh you know uh, playing sports is such a great uh builder about the value of teammates and uh, teamwork and all that and uh, dad was a big part of that Lon Kruger is our guest newest inductee into the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame one more about your family coach being the oldest of six and the responsibilities you had as a big brother with sports too and getting your siblings ready for sports and going to their games as you were deeply involved as an elite athlete back then what what are your memories of being the big brother of uh, that many siblings and helping them getting into sports and wanting to gravitate towards that world the fondest memory is that, that we did everything together. You know, it was a totally a family situation. We went to, you know, I had uh, four brothers and one sister, but uh, whosever activity was was uh, going on, everyone else participated by watching and supporting and, and being there. And uh, just uh, so many good memories. Uh, summertime was spent. We ran the concession stand and, and took care of the ball diamonds at uh, the complex. And uh, we spent all day out there and then changed into uniform, uh, you know, and play a ball game and then come back and work at the concession stand. So just all those uh, are very, very good family memories. Alon Kruger joins us with Jack Hartman at K-State and 
high school. Uh, who are a couple? Who are a couple of the coaches other than your dad who you mentioned who had a tremendous impact that had a big impact on your life and helped mold you as a young man? Certainly, Coach Hartman in college uh, was super influential. Uh, you know, just a terrific coach, very organized. Uh, high school coaches, uh, Joel Joel Balzer and uh, Ellis Dahl were terrific guys and uh, very much into good teaching and uh, the fundamentals and working on, you know, team stuff all the time. So I was fortunate to have very good coaches growing up, which is more important than the, than the development side of it, uh, just the fact that we enjoyed going to practice. We enjoyed the games. Uh, the coaches were very positive. They uh, had a big impact uh, in that way. A coach is a two-time Big A player of the year. As an athlete who played multiple sports, when did you realize you were going to pivot? You know, you have an opportunity in baseball, a big opportunity in basketball. When did you pivot and know that, hey, you were going to make your future either as an educator, teacher, coach, where you were going to go down a different road? When did that come about? Really, like a lot of young players, uh, you think you're going to play forever. And uh, I didn't think about what was going to come next. I just thought I'd play uh, baseball or basketball, and uh, then all of a sudden, you get to that point where you're cut from a team or you're released from a contract or whatever, uh, then you have to turn to something else. So uh, I didn't think about coaching until the playing days ended. Mm-hmm. You know, the point guard uh, you know, on the floor, you, you thought like a coach a lot, but uh, I wasn't thinking about doing it in preparation for coaching just as much as uh, in preparation to help the team as much as possible. So never really thought about it. It did happen, uh, and I just felt like coaching was the next best thing to playing, and We've been very fortunate to have had a good player, a lot of good players along the way. You know, Coach, every young coach has a story. Do you have a quick one about, you know, just trying to make ends meet? You got your lovely wife. You're going to start a family. You're coaching on a certain salary, and you're, you're dreaming, but you want your team to win, and you're in the gym all day and all night preparing the next game plan. What were those early years like? Not the lean years, but those years where you were really trying to figure out how you were going to make a living and make a career out of this. My first coaching job was uh, during my graduate assistant years uh, at Pittsburgh State University. And, uh, you know, obviously as a grad assistant, you're making uh, your own scholarship, basically. And Barb, uh, my wife, Barb, was, uh, she was teaching middle school. And, uh, and uh, again, we were surrounded by good people, uh, people that helped us out a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, it's, it's been a team effort with Barb, you know, leading the way, um, you know, for the last 47 years of marriage. So, uh, She's been terrific, and uh, she uh, helped us through those early years and the uh, team effort ever since. Yeah, Florida, Illinois, the Atlanta Hawks, the Knicks is an assistant. You come to UNLV, and then the great years at Oklahoma. Coach, finally, I want to ask you an NBA question when you got to the Hawks. What was different about coaching? You saw the NBA at that time. Now it's even more of a three-point shooting league. They're calling it a make-or-miss league. What were some of your fondest memories working with the professional athletes coming out of college basketball? It was a great experience. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do a very good job. I was very naive and uh, didn't uh, do the job I needed to do. We went into a franchise that was very, very, uh, you know, uh, much in need of a lot of things. And uh, and three years later, we hadn't changed that very much. So uh, I didn't do a very good job. But uh, great guys, great experience. Uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. It was, you know, getting fired at uh, 50 years old was kind of healthy in a humbling yeah. way, and uh, I think I learned a lot from that. No doubt. Last one, Coach, your family. I want to end it with your family. you got a big outside family, extended family, but initially your core family. 
and what they mean to you now as you come back to Vegas and you hear a lot, the ties you have with Oklahoma and the other school, your son's coaching UNLV as the head coach, your grandkids. Just give a big picture if you can wrap this up on how important your family is to you. Well, family is everything. Uh, again, I was fortunate to have that foundation growing up. So uh, my mom and dad uh, modeled, you know, the, the uh, loving attitude and the caring and the giving attitude. And uh, certainly we've been very fortunate uh, throughout the years. Uh, a daughter now uh, uh, has three children and, uh, you know, son Kevin and Allie here in Vegas uh, had two daughters. So five grandchildren all together. And, and again, we knew the grandchildren would be the reason we retired uh, at some point, and, uh, and that was the case a couple of years ago when we uh, felt like we were missing out on too many of their activities and wanted to be more part of it. And uh, in the opportunity back here in Vegas with uh, Kev now at UNLV, uh, just everything seemed right, and, uh, and nothing like spending uh, time with family, that's for sure. It's the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. The induction is coming up June 16th. 2023 at the Dollar Loan Center. Coach, I'll see you for Coaches versus Cancer Sunday night. you got a big week coming up with that, and then your induction coming up after that. So you're going to be a real busy man. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me. Thanks, JT. Appreciate your help with the, uh, with the weekend activities as well. Great way to wrap it up with Lon. Lon is good luck. He's a good guy. And I'm pulling hard for his son, Kevin Kruger, because what I'm hearing, they're bringing in good players. They brought in good players last year. They started off fast. They're bringing in good players, some through the portal. They're having good recruiting. And hopefully Kevin can take this team father and into the NCAA tournament. I hope that's the case there. Thanks to Bobby for putting this together as we continue on. I'm off. We're all off here on the 4th of July. And then we'll come back after that. Doug's going to be in for me for the day after the 4th of July as I'll be traveling back from San Diego. A little R&R there. And then we'll come back and we'll count down to the greatest Raiders team of all time. Radio only. This will be... Players that are selected from our show at every position, something that we're going to have a lot of fun with as we get you through the month of July. Yeah, we're going to get you through the month of July as the preseason awaits in August, training camp here at the end of the month. All right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.